Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians? We are journeying our way through the book of Ephesians, coming to the third chapter. This third chapter is an interesting chapter as the Apostle Paul is bringing to us the attention of the mysteries of God. When I think about the mysteries of God, it becomes overwhelming sometimes. That there's so much that God has in store for his people that is beyond our comprehension. With your Bibles open, chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? The Apostle Paul was writing and he said, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for you Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among you, the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We've talked about the riches of Christ, have we not? In these first two chapters, we've talked about of how God has blessed us by opening up his treasure chest and pulling out such valuable, valuable riches of his grace and of his love. Listen to what he says in verse 9. And to make all see that is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Father, what a blessing that you have unveiled before us some of those mysteries. But yet, there are times that we find ourselves that there's things that we just certainly do not understand. Things that we cannot comprehend. Things that we do not see. But today, dear Lord, we pray that you will reveal to us some of these mysteries that we might be able to enjoy and to be able to experience the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for the way that you speak to us week after week after week 
through your wonderful word. And we pray that today that you will use your word and your Holy Spirit in our lives to convict us, to counsel us, and certainly to comfort us. And Father, we thank you now for blessing us. Bless your holy word and the preaching of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I recently read an article about a little boy by the name of Pablo. Pablo was a young man or a young boy in Brazil. And he talked about the mysteries, a mystery. See, he was, he was completely blind. And he talked about the mystery of wanting to see. He said, I wonder what the sunlight would be. What a mystery it is to see a sun setting. What a mystery it is to see the green grass and the beautiful flowers. What a mystery it is. To be able to not even recognize what your own self looked like. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being totally blind and all these things have been hidden from you and you wonder what they look like? Well, remarkably, Pablo was a, a candidate for research and he was brought to the United States. And they did reconstructed surgery. And they began to operate on upon his eyes. And he was be able to see miraculously, and by the grace of God, he was able to see for the first time in his life. He was able to see the sunset. He says, it's far beautiful than I could ever imagine. He said, the grass... The flowers was something that I would have never imagined what it looked like. Things that we kind of take for granted. But for a person that is totally blind, it was a mystery to him. And he said, the mystery of it all that had come to pass, that I was able to see myself. And I looked far different than what I ever imagined what I looked like. A mystery. St. Augustine one time was talking and thinking about the mysteries of God. And so he went to the seashore. And he was contemplating and thinking and praying about some of the mysteries of God. He saw a little boy. And he saw a little boy playing and he had a seashell in his hand and this little boy had dug out in the sand a hole. Then he saw the little boy taking that seashell, running back to the water of the ocean and he would dip it down and fill that seashell up and bring it and fill that hole up. St. Augustine said to the little boy, he said, young man, what are you, what are you attempting to do? He said, oh, I'm trying to fill this hole up with the ocean. St. Augustine said, ha, I got it. That's exactly what I've been trying to do. I have been trying to 
Fill my little feeble mind with the mysteries of God. Oh, can you imagine of what God has unfortold to each and every one of us? There's things that he has revealed to us in the New Testament days that he did not reveal in the Old Testament days. So I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the mysteries of God. First of all, I want us to think about the mystery of Christ. Listen what the Bible says in verse 9. And to make all see What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. There was a secret. There was a plan that was in the heart of God even before the foundations of this world. And that secret is, is we have been able to see and to understand and to try to comprehend one of those great mysteries is that God loves us and he has a plan for our life. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand that has been hidden down through the ages, but now through the old, the New Testament and the Holy Spirit that we're able to see of the love of God and the way that He has related to you and I today by reminding us that He loves us and He has a plan for my life and your life. We're finite. He's infinite. We're a man. He's Almighty God. We're mortal. He's immortal. Think about it. How can we comprehend all that God possesses and all that God wants to reveal? Well, the secret was not known in the men's of the day of the Old Testament. In verse 5, as you'll notice, Paul was saying here in verse 5, he is saying to us this secret was not known to the Old Testament. It was a mystery that they did not understand. What was that mystery? Now, we know in the Old Testament, the prophets saw two things related to the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw, first of all, His first coming. They saw that there was a a Messiah, a one that was going to come, and He was going to come to fulfill the prophecies of the old. But they also saw His second coming. But in between the two, the first coming and the second coming, which we're living in today, they had no idea of what was going to transpire and to take place. It was a mystery. It was something that seemed to be hid to them. They did not see that period of time between those two great events. But God decided to let man know what that secret was. And God whispered in the heart and the ears of the Apostle Paul. And therefore, he brings to us 
these mysteries. There's three mysteries that I believe that the Apostle Paul has revealed to us. First of all, the mystery of Christ and His cross. Before the Old Testament, I mean, before the New Testament, in the Old Testament days, they did not understand the cross. They did not even know about the cross, so to speak. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, listen to this, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. God had a secret in his heart. And in the beginning of the world was of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ was reconciling the world with the God the Father in a remarkable, remarkable way. God has reconciled us. That was a mystery. You today, we are able to see that mystery being uh, being fulfilled before our very eyes. There was an elderly man had visited this church. He was a friend of the pastor. And the pastor had invited him to come up and say a few words to the congregation. The elderly man came up and he shared a story. He said one time there was a father and his son and his son's friend. And they were out sailing. They're out there in the Pacific Ocean. And before they realized it, there was a tremendous storm had come up. And it was between them and, of course, the bank of the sea. And there they were trapped. And the fierce winds and the mighty rain came tossing down upon that little craft that they were upon. And to the point of where it, their boat capsized. And there the father and the two boys were in those treacherous waters. About that time the father was able to grab hold of a rescue line. He had just enough time to be able to reach out and to save one of those two boys. Which one was he going to save? His own son or his son's friend? Well, he knew that his son was a Christian. And he knew that if he was to die, he would go to be with the Lord in glory. But he also knew that his son's friend was not a Christian. And he knew that if he was to die, he would go to a place of damnation. So he had to make this terrible, excruciating decision of which boy to grab hold. He grabbed hold of his son's friend to save him and about that time as he got him back into the boat and as he looked back out to try to possibly rescue his own son his own son was buried beneath those 
treacherous waters. Sacrificing his son that the other boy would be saved. Well, the elderly man sat down. The pastor got up. He said a few comments. Afterward, two young boys came up to that elderly man. And he said, it's almost undescribable possibility that a father would sacrifice his son on the behalf of his son's friend. Hard to understand, hard to believe. And about that time, the elderly father, I mean, that elderly man stood up and he said, for the first time I began to understand and comprehend what it must have been like when God the Father sacrificed his own son on the behalf of the world. For you see, that man was me. And that son's friend was your pastor. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand. Is it not a mystery? Is it not hard to comprehend that God the Father would sacrifice His only begotten Son that you, my friend, might be redeemed and be saved from an eternal damnation? Who can comprehend such a fact? It is a mystery. As the Apostle Paul shares with us today. But he goes a step further. He not only talks about the mystery of Christ and the cross, but he talked about the mystery of Christ and his coming. Stop and you think about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it not a mystery? Oh, we know certain things. Just as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 51 says... Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Think about that. What a mystery. Dead believers in the, in the grave, rising out of that grave and their bodies being transformed into a new body. And that the soul from heaven that has come down, being reunited with that body, and being brought up in the air. Who can comprehend for such a mystery? Who can comprehend our bodies being transformed in the perfect image of the Lord Jesus Christ? Think about it. And that God has bit by bit by bit unveiled before us to be able to see a little bit of that mystery. I don't understand it all. But boy, I want you to know I want to be there when it happens. Amen.
What a glorious day that will be. But he not only talked about Christ and his cross as being a mystery. He not only talked about Christ and his coming as a mystery. But over in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32, he talked about Christ and his church. Oh, the mystery of the church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. In the Old Testament, they never understood the possibility of a church. Never understood the possibility of this day of dispensation of grace. Never understood or comprehend the mystery of the body of Christ. Coming together and forming together as a church. On the day of Pentecost, on that beautiful, glorious day, was the birthday of the church. And on that day, something came into existence that had never happened before, that now has come and fulfilled. Now, we bet we're a part of that. We see it. But in the days of the Apostle Paul, they did not comprehend the existence of the church. Heard about a little boy one time. He was out in the foyer. And he was seeing all these pictures and these uh, markers underneath these pictures of names. And the pastor walked by and he said, who are these people? He said, oh, son, these are the people that died in service. He said, which service, the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> There's a mystery. There is a mystery concerning the church. What was that mystery? What was he talking about? He was talking about the institution of the body of Christ. Now, when you think about the body of Christ, in the New Testament, it speaks of the body of Christ three different ways. First of all, it speaks about the material body of Christ. We know of that body. That one that was born of a virgin. That one that grew up in the home of Mary and Joseph. That one that who lived a life that was beyond sin. That one that walked up the hill, that lonely hill of Calvary. That one that had that body that bore the cross of Calvary. That one that was nailed and crucified upon that cross. That body that was taken down from that cross, buried in a borrowed tomb. That body that was resurrected after the third day. 
that body that walked among mankind for 40 days. That body that was ascended up into the glories of heaven. That body that sits upon the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. Physically, materially, a body like yours and mine, but became a glorified body. So, we talk about the material body. But then, there what the Bible speaks about, the memorial body. I'm reminded of what the Scriptures teaches as it talks about, over in the Scriptures of, of how, when we come together and we partake of the Lord's Supper. We partake of His body. We pick up that pieces of bread symbolically as the body of Christ. And there as we take of that, we are partaking of that memorial body. But then not only that material body, And that memorial body. But that mystical body. That mystical body. The body of Jesus Christ on this earth. Which is the church. The Bible reminds us over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Teaches us that when we get saved. That we are baptized into the body of Christ. What a mystery. Who can comprehend that? Think about it. That through the institution of the church and the body of Christ, that God no longer separates the Jew and the Gentile. But that He has broken those barriers and now they have become one in the body of Christ. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in His sight. And that they have become one body. What a glorious picture of the mystical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we as a church are able to participate in. That one area of the wisdom of God. One thing that's that the angels cannot comprehend. They cannot comprehend the redemption of mankind simply because they're not sinners and they've never been lost. And since they have never been lost, they cannot be saved. But yet, they have seen by the mysteries of God being transformed, that He takes a sinner and He transforms them into a new creature. Who can comprehend that? Taking away shame and giving one righteousness. Who can comprehend death? Taking away death and giving them life. An angel can't comprehend that. But the Bible says that they come to church. I don't know if you realize that or not. 
Angels come to church more often than some of our people, own people come to church. And the Bible talks about, as it speaks about, that we are spectacles. A spectacle is a theater. And that angels come, and they come to church for schooling. To see of how God transforms that lost man into a new man of creation of the glory of salvation. What a mystery. Beyond comprehension of mankind. How can one take one that is alive and make him, one that was dead and make him alive? How can one take one that is sinful and make him holy? How can a God Take away shame and give innocence to the life of an individual. A mystery. A mystery. But the Apostle Paul goes a step further. And he not only talks about the mysteries of Christ, of the cross, the mystery of Christ, of his coming, the mystery of Christ. And his church. But then he talks about the ministry of Christ. It's almost as if the Apostle Paul says that God has called me into the ministry to display the mysteries of the gospel. For if you look, the Bible says in verse 7, look what he says. Chapter 3. Of which I became, what? A minister. That word minister is an interesting word. It's the word diakonos that we get. Deacon. A servant. One that waits upon tables. In other words, what he says in verse 7, he says that of which I became a minister, a servant of God. I became an instrument of God to be able to dispel and display the beautiful mysteries of God before mankind. There in verse 7, he says, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the affecting working of his power. Of his power. The ministry of Christ. What was the Apostle Paul talking about? See, God wants the whole world to now know what one of those mysteries are. That I love you and I have a plan for your life and that I have sent my only begotten son into this world that you may have everlasting life. But you know what? The apostle Paul was saying, not only has he's called me, but he's also called you. Every single one of us are what? Ministers. If somebody was to ask you, 
Who is the minister down there at Kentsville Baptist Church? I hope you don't say, well, it's Kelly Burris. He's one of them. But he's one of many. You and I are ministers. And therefore, as being a minister, God has called us to go and to share. I'm so grateful for the way that God uses people. Have you ever noticed of how he uses the plain and the simple? I think about the time when God wanted to defeat a, a giant by the name of Goliath. What did he do? He went and got a little boy. A little boy by the name of David. And God took this little boy because this little boy made himself accessible to the Almighty God. And what seemed to be little became much in the eyes of Almighty God. God began to take this little boy and defeat this mighty giant. And of course, the reason he did it, because he didn't want the little boy to take credit for it. Why, if he had been a man, if he had been a soldier, why, if he had been one of Saul's army, he could have said, look what I've done. But David says, I come in the name of the Lord. My friend, that's the way it is with you and me. That's the person that God chooses. Ordinary people. God has called you, and He's called you, and He's called me to go and to share this mystery to this world that is lost, to this world that is darkened in sin, to this world that cannot see. He has called you and I to go and to share the good news of the gospel. That this world might understand the mysteries of the Almighty God. That's the way God uses His people. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be accessible. You've got to be one that is ready to go. And you've got to be willing to allow God to receive glory for it. But not only the person that God chooses, but also the power that God releases. I'm so thankful to know that when God has called me to an assignment, that He hadn't called me to an assignment, that I am supposed to do that assignment on my own. But that he gives me power, he gives me authority, he gives me ability, he gives me that power to be able to communicate with others. Look what the Bible says there in verse 7. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the affecting working of his power. The effective working power. Many years ago, when electricity was just founded and they began to place it in the homes of individuals, there was this elderly lady 
who lived in a little small house in Ireland. She was a very wealthy lady, but she was also very frugal. And electricity was placed in her house where she could have the comforts of sitting in the light. But the man from the utility company noticed that there was no power that was being used. So he went to his to her house and he said, Ma'am, are you not using the electricity that was placed in your house? Oh, yes. Oh, I turn the lights on every night long enough to light the candle. (laughs) And I cut the lights off. Now, friend, I want you to understand that lady... She'd tapped into the power, but she wasn't using it. I wonder today how many people today have tapped into the power of God, but they don't use it. The Bible says, after the Holy Spirit of God has come upon you, you shall receive what? Power. Dynamos power. Dynamic, dynamite power. Use it for the glory and the honor of God. So he talked about the person that God chooses. Talked about the power that God releases. And then he talked about the preaching that God blesses. Look what he says in verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach. Listen to this. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We've been talking about the unsearchable riches. His grace, His mercy, His love. There's people out there like Pablo, they're blind. They cannot see. And they will never know unless someone goes and tells them. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul has said to you and I. That's the preaching that God blesses. The unsearchable riches of the gospel. That God loves you, He has a plan for you, and that He wants to save you out of your sins. My friend, I don't know of anything that blesses my heart when I think about the mysteries of God. In such a fashion. Lord Jesus. Your word has been. Powerful to us today. Thank you for those mysteries. That you've allowed us. 
to be able to see, and even those mysteries that we're not able to see, but that we have a hope in. Lord, as we come together today, I believe you're calling men and women, boys and girls, to tap into the power and use the power that the Holy Spirit of God is upon them. There in the highways and the byways, there at the school, there on the job, there in the neighborhood, there everywhere we turn, there's people that are blind to the mystery of the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. Lord, my heart is to be a person to be used by you. May you anoint and fill us with your power and send us out to share the gospel of the good news. There's some here today, possibly, that the Holy Spirit of God has unveiled before your presence of how much he loves you. And how much He wants to save you and to give you eternal life. Oh, my friend, you don't have to be in in a state of mystery, of wondering, does God love me? Or does anyone love me? But to know that you know that you know that by trusting Christ as your Savior, you'll receive eternal life. Maybe there are some of you that have done that, and you think, oh, what a glorious day that was when I come to know Christ and how God has revealed to me some of His unsearchable riches. But I want to be baptized in the likeness of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, I know I'm a part of the body of Christ because I've been saved, but I want to be a part of the local church. And I believe God wants me to be a part of the ministry of the local church. And I want to be a part of the fellowship of Kempsville Baptist Church. Why don't you come today and be a part of that fellowship? In Jesus' name.